Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Volume. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, Three and Out Podcast. Those of you listening, subscribed on Apple, Spotify, appreciate you. We're also live every single day of the week. Not this this show, but all the volumes content on Amazon Amp. So make sure you download that bad boy. Um, we got a good show coming up. A lot going on football wise. Some thoughts on Bryce Young, Rodgers, and Jordan Love. I saw Clark Hunt say that Mahomes. He's underpaid, and there's nothing really they can do about it. We'll talk about it all because the draft is now over. Free agency, the draft, we got a a pretty good idea who your squad is. Now you can make tweaks. You can make a trade here or there once the big cuts happen around uh, September 1st. But for the most part, like, you're not adding 10 players moving forward. This is kind of who you got is who you got. Uh, And uh, it's a fun time. So OTAs right around the corner. Aaron Rodgers not skipping them this year. So we will keep rocking and rolling as well as the Middlecoff mailback at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. DMs wide open. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. We will have a uh, football podcast today, golf podcast tomorrow, and another football podcast at the end of the week. So we'll just, we'll keep the content flowing. So buckle up, get ready. We're only getting started. But as you can see, the NBA playoffs is in full swing. The NHL playoffs is in full swing. We're in the second rounds in both. The baseball season's rocking and rolling. Now the sun's out. You want to go to a game? Well, do it on me. Download the official ticketing app of this podcast, 3 and Out, and type in the promo code JOHN, that's J-O-H-N, get $20 off. So get out of your house, go to a game, but you don't, you want to go to a concert? You can do that as well. You want to go to a comedy show? I got you. Type in the promo code JOHN, just go to your app store, download the Game Time app, promo code JOHN. $20 off. Do it. I don't even need a thank you. Just use the promo code and have a good time. Uh, I can't recommend them enough. Best ticketing app I've ever used. Game time. Promo code John. Before we get into Rodgers and Jordan Love, because I have a couple quick thoughts there, I wanted to... Listen, uh, Bryce Young's a polarizing prospect. And, and typically, unless your name's like Peyton Manning or John Elway you are going to be nitpicked in the draft process. It's going to happen next year with Caleb Williams. It happened with Trevor Lawrence, right? Two years later, the Jags have a star quarterback. I mean, people hated Justin Herbert. Patrick Mahomes, like, people thought he was a scrub. So it's just part of the draft. And whether you are an accomplished college player, whether you didn't play that much in Anthony Richardson, you're going to get, there's going to be a lot of negativity surrounding you leading up to the draft. Then once you get drafted, everything becomes very positive. But I understand why people question Bryce Young. He's small. And for NFL standards, he's tiny, right? And typically, quarterbacks that have success in the NFL are bigger players. Kyler Murray, who, you know, I I wouldn't say he's had that much success on the field. He's obviously had a lot of success off it with his contract, but it was very, very easy to see how unique he was. He's literally faster than every player basically in the NFL. And his arm is really, really strong. Bryce Young did not run a 40. Why? Because he's not that fast. I I remember when Lamar Jackson refused to run the 40. It really bothered me. Fast players should always run. Why? Because they're fast. And it'll be a positive once there's a 4-3-2 next to your name. I'll believe till my dying days... But if Lamar Jackson, now ultimately he got a massive contract and it all worked out for him. But if he had just ran the 40 coming out of college or at the combine, he would not have fallen until pick 32. 
because no one's passing on a guy with a 4-3 next to their name with his type tape. But he didn't run. And part of that obviously was impacted by Bill Polian calling him a wide receiver. Bryce Young didn't run a 40 wide because he would have ran a 4-8. But his game is not predicated on running around. He keeps plays alive with his legs, but he is not a running quarterback. He's not Kyler Murray. He doesn't play like that at all. He plays like, I'd say like Deshaun Watson. He plays like the Deshaun Watson before he got to the Browns, before all the stuff came out about massage therapists, back when we all thought he was a really sweet quarterback for the Houston Texans. He keeps plays alive behind the line of scrimmage and tries to win from within the pocket. And honestly, in college, Bryce was even a better player than Deshaun, and Deshaun was damn good. But here's one thing I will say. I saw this stat uh, on the interweb, and it was it's eye-opening. Even though, once you say it out loud, of course, the Georgia defense two years ago is widely considered one of the great defenses of all time. And now it has NFL draft status to back it up. They had 14 players over the last two years drafted off that defense. Obviously, only 11 players can be on the field at one time. So that means guys that were backups last year were drafted. And seven of those 14 players were first-round picks. That is going to go down as one of the most accomplished college defenses and one of, obviously, relative with all the guys drafted. It, it might be unprecedented, and it might never happen again. Bryce Young played that team in 2021, twice in a month. And the first time he played them, he kicked their ass. Alabama beat them 41-24. to Bryce was 26 of 44 through three touchdowns through for 420 yards. And then in the national championship game that ultimately Georgia got them, Bryce was still good. He completed 35 balls, threw for 370 yards, and threw a touchdown and threw two picks. But in that game, unlike the game he destroyed them, his top two targets, Jamison Williams and Mechie, were injured. Obviously, Jamison, top 15 pick, and Mechie, a second round pick with a torn ACL. So Bryce Young has proven, anytime you scout a player in football, if it's a quarterback or a running back or any position, you scout them against the best talent they play. So whether that's teams or if I'm a wide receiver, it's against the corners that are going to get drafted. If I'm a defensive lineman, it's against the tackle or tackles that I play that are going to be NFL players. And if I'm a quarterback, it's the best teams that I play, right? And no player in recent memory has played a team as good, if you're an offensive player, as that 2021 Georgia defense. So when I see there's a lot of negativity and a lot of people questioning Bryce Young, how do you take a quarterback who's 5'10", and honestly probably weighs closer to 185 than the 200 pounds that he weighed in at the combine? Because he's not really 200 pounds. As a scout told me that was there at the weigh-ins, he looked bloated. He looked like a guy who put on a bunch of fake weight. Of course he did, right? But he's, it doesn't, it's not about the weight. It's like, can the guy play? And the guy can really play. So is he going to get injured? I have no clue. Nobody knows. I heard Steve Keim tell Coward the other day uh, that like they had done studies in Arizona. There's no way to know, based on college information, whether a guy will stay healthy or get injured once he gets to the pros. And I've talked about this before. We've seen guys that get injured all the time in college, then come to the pros and have no injury problems. Just like we've seen the opposite. Guys who have been healthy their entire career, high school, college, come to the pros and get hurt all the time. No one has a crystal ball. No one knows. And quarterbacks, when you get hit, typically get injured. Whether you're Russell Wilson, whether you're Peyton Manning, whether you're Tom Brady. If I'm going to hit you and hit you hard, Justin Fields or Justin Herbert, I can injure you. So it's just whether you're small or you're big. Now, in theory, you should be able to take more pounding if you're bigger, for sure. But I watched Bryce Young play that Georgia defense, dominate them, and get peppered and keep getting getting up. Is Bryce Young going to be a star in the NFL? No one knows. I mean... All I know is that the guy that I watched in college, that shit translates to the NFL. And he proved it. Dominating against Georgia. Uh, Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. I want to start with Aaron Rodgers because I saw a headline today. 
he is going, and he mentioned this when his introductory press conference, and now he's living it. He is going to be with the New York Jets this offseason. In the last several years, he was nowhere to be found in the offseason when it came to the Green Bay Packers and their OTAs, their mini camps. He didn't show. He did not show up. And I know I can speak for myself, and I'm a creature of habit. Habit. I can do the same things on a weekly basis. I like to keep my schedule relatively routine. I like eating the same foods. I, 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 I don't like a lot of change in my life. Though, someone who, hell, I just moved states a year ago. Not because I had to, but because I wanted to. For, that, for me, it's very healthy. When I create change sometimes in my life, it usually brings benefits for me. And when I've been, change has been forced on me. Whether I've been fired from a job, whether, you know, broken up with a girl, usually it brings very healthy benefits to me. And I wonder if Aaron Rodgers knew that he just needed to mix it up. Partly himself, right? Like, I, I need to leave this team. And partly because the Packers wanted to leave him. And look what it's already done, right? Like, he can't not show up in the offseason. Like, that, that wouldn't work. He needs to be there. But part of it's a little bit easier knowing that, like, you know what? I kind of want to stay in New York this offseason. I'll go to some NHL games. I'll go to Mass- Madison Square Garden. I'll hang out with new people. And it'll force me to kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit. And sometimes, and I think I speak for everybody, it's easy to stay in your comfort zone. Hell, I- I'm king of that. I love my little comfort zone. But when I force myself to get out of it, and now once I've crossed state lines, I don't have a choice. I have to, a lot of times, do things that I I wouldn't say make me uncomfortable, but just are something that I would not do if I still lived in Northern California. And it has brought a lot of benefits to my life, professionally, personally. And I think you see it with Aaron Rodgers, and I saw it with him when I watched his press conference, that like making this change, which I'd say kind of 50-50, forced on him, slash he wanted this, I think it's going to bring a lot of healthy benefits to him as a player, right? Because let's face it, last year, a big negative with the Packers is he didn't have Devontae Adams, who he had known for almost a decade, that like it wasn't going to matter whether he was there throwing with him in May and June. Because once they drafted multiple wide receivers and traded Devontae, like he had to get on the same page as Dobbs and Watson. And they didn't get on the same page till it was too late. Well, this year, like, there's urgency from the jump. You're on the New York Jets, and everyone's watching you. So getting on the same page as Garrett Wilson immediately, getting to know these offensive linemen, getting this team to kind of rally around you is really important. And getting the benefit of doing this stuff in August, excuse me, in April, in May, and in June is very, very important. Building the foundation of a relationship with someone else that you do not know and have no you know, previous history with matters. And I think the Jets are going to benefit from kind of this new Aaron Rodgers of a guy that has just gotten out of his comfort zone. Because let's face it, he had kind of been you know, in the same hamster wheel over and over as the Green Bay Packers quarterback as, a, as the last several years kind of knew the routine, knew the operation, and knew the players around them. And I listen, I think it's going to work, and I think they're going to be good. Obviously, he's got to stay healthy, but if he stays healthy, I think we see a rejuvenated guy. And sometimes when you force change on yourself, you kind of chip on your shoulders the wrong word. It just adds a little urgency to your life. It just adds a little new motivation. And maybe he needed that. And uh, listen, I, I think the Jets are going to benefit from it. And I think the players, obviously, the Jets have been missing a quarterback. If they got the Aaron Rodgers version, even of last year, the Jets are a wild card team. So I, I think this is going to be a pretty seamless transition. I said the other day, I guess it was yesterday's podcast, that like if, and as of recording this right now on Monday afternoon, uh, the Packers have not exercised the fifth-year option on Jordan Love. And I did some more digging on some of the comments, and, and Gudikins, I, I thought, had a very fair comment that, like, it's a lot of money to commit to a pretty big unknown. Is That's not verbatim what he said, but essentially, like, 
to pay a guy, Jordan Love, picking up his fifth-year option would be $20 million because he hasn't played any snaps. He hasn't made any Pro Bowls or anything. So his fifth-year option is a different number than Herbert or Joe Burrow. But he essentially said, like, giving a guy $20 million that's essentially never played is borderline nuts. And I think if you look at last year with the New York Giants, because I and my take was yesterday, like, it's a pretty bad reflection if they don't pick up the fifth-year option. Well, as I've had like 24 hours to think about it, I heard this guy in finance the other day. He was on a podcast, very successful individual, kind of talk about, you know, the successful investors, there's this balance. And I, I am a believer that optimistic people tend to be more successful. But this guy, and this guy reiterated that. He's like, I, I think in life you need to be optimistic. But when it comes to financial, uh, you know, freedom and investing, and just knowing what to do with money. You got to be very cautious at times. You you can't just be naively positive, right? Sometimes you got to go, yeah, this is not a good idea. Or this risk is not really worth it, even if I believe into this. And I think if you're the Packers, what if Jordan loves terrible this year? Even if you like him, you've seen him grow over the years, and you pick up his $20 million option next year, and he's clearly a bottom 10 starter, and you're stuck with him. That'd be terrible business. What has he done? Honestly, there's nothing he could have done because he hasn't played for you to feel good enough to pay the guy $20 million guaranteed in 2024. Now, there's a chance after this year, if you don't pick up the option, and he has a fantastic season, you make the playoffs, and let's say he throws 25 touchdowns, and you, you, would, you want to keep him on the team still, you go, God, we should have picked up the option. But that's playing Monday morning quarterback. As of the day, I'll completely understand if by tomorrow the deadline, they haven't picked up the option. And they just play it out like Daniel Jones. Because the worst case scenario is also a pretty good scenario. He plays really well, and you got to pay him. And so what? You know, he's not, we've seen kind of the, the market now for Daniel Jones, who has way more playing experience. You would think if Jordan Love throws 20, 25 touchdowns, his number might even be a little less than that. And then you can get the guy under a multi-year contract where you'd have to pay more than the $20 million, but he had done enough in 17 games where you feel pretty good about him over the next couple of years. But they are in a weird spot. And they're in a spot that not necessarily their fault. They had a guy that started winning MVPs who was already one of the great players of his generation. What were you going to do? Play Jordan Love? You couldn't have. You made the draft pick. And you've put yourself in a position now to get a tryout. Let's say he is terrible. And this, to me, would be a bad scenario. He's terrible. Your team's terrible. And you picked up the fifth-year option. And then all of a sudden, you're drafting a quarterback high. Right? Really high. And in a quarterback draft that looks very, very tasty, you just cut him? He's not tradable then with a $20 million price tag. So I've come around and understand that by the time you're listening to this, if it has come out, that they have not picked up his fifth-year option, I completely understand why they did that. And if they did, I, I do think it's fair to say that's pretty risky scenario. That puts a ton of pressure on him to feel very, very good about making him your starter still in two years, which, based where we're sitting today on May 1st, th there's just no way you can know whether or not you're going to be in that situation because you have this great unknown of this season with Beside practice, nothing to back that up on. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And speaking of nothing to back that up on, I I saw, as of recording this, there have been 11 guys that have had their fifth-year option from 2000. This doesn't include Jordan Love. Uh, 2020, that draft picked up. And I always, one thing I've really changed my tune on over the years is like trying to make bold takes on fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. It's pointless because absolutely nobody knows. Nobody knows. Or good players, the Tom Brady's, the Richard Sherman's, the George Kittle's would never sniff where they go. But at the time, no one knows. Just like in this draft, there's going to be a fifth rounder who becomes a stud. And there's going to be a first rounder who stinks. But the first round, which in theory should have the most talent every single year, just had a group, and this was pre-COVID, so this was based on 2019, a real college football season, is going to have 12 to 13 guys max have their their fifth-year option picked up. That means over half the first round three years ago, did not even get to a point where you feel good enough about picking up their fifth-year option. Now, some of them, right, Damon Arnett was cut by the Raiders. Henry Ruggs is in jail. Jalen Rager, different team. Akuda, different team. So some of these players we have known now for months, if not a year, that this was a disaster. And some of them you know right away. Herbert, Burrow, Justin Jefferson, home run. Some of them take a little bit longer. Ayuk. But that is still a number that is well under half the first round. So when you look at this draft, and I saw Clark Hunt came out and said that, uh, you know, of course Patrick Mahomes is underpaid. There is no way, even if he was the highest paid player in, in the league, he would still be underpaid. And I was thinking it about it the other day, watching Steph Curry go for 50. There is no amount of money the Warriors could pay Steph Curry that isn't like $200 to $300 million a year, which obviously is not even allowed, that you could say he's properly paid. In the peak of Tiger Woods or the peak of Michael Jordan, there there is no amount of money that can come their way that can equal their value to either their league or the PGA Tour, their team. And I also thought about this with the draft. There are really like four or five players in the league. And in football, it's quarterbacks. You know, in basketball, it's it's less than a handful of guys. If you don't have one of the those guys, you really don't have a shot. <laughs> you know, the, the reason the Philadelphia Eagles came so close to winning the Super Bowl was not their roster was elite. It, it really wasn't. Obviously, that helped. They had a really good roster and a lot of good players. It was because their fucking quarterback played this season like a top two or three guy. He played like he was Burrow, Mahomes, Josh Allen. Because if you don't have one of those guys, like Dak Prescott, people think I'm hard on Dak Prescott. I have a lot of respect for Dak Prescott. Great guy. Very, very solid player. And if he's your quarterback, every year you're going to be in the playoff mix. And if you saw this year, you probably win a playoff game. You are not winning a Super Bowl. It's just not happening. You know, if you look at the AFC, if you don't have Mahomes, I'm going to include Josh Allen, even though they've not made it out of the second round uh, the last couple of years. And it just feels like they're a little short, but I do think he's good enough. And obviously Burrow, like I'm just not taking it that seriously. I, I think we can add Aaron Rodgers, even though I know they haven't got over the hump. Well, like you're probably not winning it. Like until the 49ers figure out the quarterback situation, like they're always going to come up short. It doesn't mean they won't make long runs and win some playoff games, but like it's hard to win the Super Bowl that way. Basically impossible. If you don't have LeBron, if you don't have Steph Curry, 
If you don't have Giannis, like you're not winning it. Just, hell, you can have Kevin Durant. Every time Kevin Durant is not around Steph Curry, he ain't getting that close. <laughs> you know, it's such a small thing. So the draft, I love it. You love it. 54 million people over a three-day span and watch the thing. It's fantastic television. But most of these players have little to no impact. And well over half of them will get cut, will be on different teams. And then even the starters, like those are replaceable starters. There's a small percentage of huge impact guys, whether it's the first round and it only diminishes by the round. So when I see Clark Hunt say he's underpaid, of course he is, because there's no amount of money the Chiefs could give Patrick Mahomes that he wouldn't be worth it to them, right? Just like Josh Allen, just like Joe Burrow. Uh, obviously, you know, if Jalen keeps playing like that, he's just his value to the franchise is unquantifiable. Like there's just it's impossible to quantify what Steph Curry means, not just to the Warriors, but to the NBA. And he, he was a seventh round, he was a seventh pick in his draft. Like three point guards went ahead of him. Like James Harden went ahead, way ahead of Steph Curry. And James Harden was the third pick. James Harden and Steph Curry, they're not even the same fucking universe as players. And James Harden's, when all said and done, is going to make $500 million, win an MVP, all these points. They have nothing in common. And James Harden's like going to be a Hall of Famer. So the, the draft, while fun, these players will become really good players. But for the most part, it's like, does it really matter that much to the overall landscape of the league? Now, if Anthony Richardson becomes a Josh Allen, then the Colts got a shot. And that's what I, I saw Ballard talking about it. Like, listen, this might fail. And I talked about it yesterday. If it does, they're all screwed. They're all going to get fired. But if it hits and he becomes like a bona fide star, they got a shot. Like the reason when Lamar's healthy, listen, they haven't got over the hump yet, but or even won that many playoff games, but you can give him a shot when he's playing at a high level and he's running around, fucking throwing touchdown passes. The defense is playing well. It's intriguing. And, and honestly, more than likely, he'll never be on that tier. But maybe they're hoping they get his mind back right and he can get him back in the mix. Because right now it's clear in the AFC. Two guys are head and shoulders above everyone else. In Mahomes and then Burrow. And Josh Allen... You know, I, I would put right in, in in a separate tier, but damn close. You know, and then there's, you know, the Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson. And it depends. Like Aaron, if he starts winning an MVP, if he were to be the MVP of the Jets this year, not the Jets actual team, but the entire league, you'd be like, yeah, they'd have a good a chance as any. And you'd be like, well, the Packers didn't win anything. Well, their defense has been pretty atrocious historically with Aaron Rodgers. So if the Jets defense is good, like part of the reason the Chiefs have had some success in the playoffs, like their defense plays well. Obviously, Mahomes is an all-time special quarterback, but you got to have uh, a solid defense to go along with a special player. Like, what do the Bengals have? Their defense has been pretty damn good the last couple of years. Okay, let's bang out a little mailbag. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here on the show. Easy to do. Instagram is just my name. DMs wide open. Start with Jordan. Huge fan of the pot. I'm curious what the communication chain is as a scout. How did you evaluate players? Who did you report to your findings? And were you evaluated? I love to learn more about the process. Well, I, I would imagine every organization is different. You know, when I was, uh, when I became a, a road scout, I had worked in the office. And I had just because, you know, my first year, I basically was like Howie's essentially scouting assistant. So when you put in something to the, you know, as a road scout, obviously the bosses can see it, whether you're director of scouting, your personnel guy, and your GM. So once you put it in, everyone can see it. Now, you know, my relationship at the time, like I could just shoot Howie a text like, hey, saw this, love this, Right. Or I could send the director of college scouting a text. Hey, I like this. So I, I do think it depends on the organization, your relationship with the boss. I think some are very by the book. Like if you don't have a great relationship with the GM, not because he doesn't like you, just because you don't know him that well, you know, you don't spend that much time with them as a road scout. Maybe you just report directly to the college director, which I, I think is pretty normal. Uh, and, and there are going to be some scouts that are, are close with the co head coach, right? 
So during, not that he's locked in during the season, but like, you know, when Brett Veach was a road scout, like he could just shoot Andy a text, right? It's just like, I, you know, there are guys with the Chiefs that just, you know, shoot probably Veach text all the time. And there are some that just report to people under him. I'm just using those two as examples because I know how they kind of work. I just think it's very dependent on the organization. Uh, I, I can only speak from my experience, uh, but but I think knowing some scouts, I think some probably d- deal directly with the GM throughout the season, like just texting and emailing more than others. Um, and I think it's just, it's like any company, right? If you work and you know the CEO directly, you know, you might be friends with a guy, right? If you don't, you probably don't communicate with him that much. You communicate with management. Now, I the hard part is, like, are scouts evaluated? You know, the, the sad part about the profession is, I, you know, I don't think as much as you'd think, right? Coaches are. If you're an offensive coordinator and your offense sucks, you're going to get fired. Same thing with a defensive coach or same thing with a position coach. When it comes to scouts, like if you're buddies with the GM or your buddies with the head coach you, or buddies with the owner, that's another thing, the owner, you might be an average to below average scout and keep your job for a long time and get elevated. But, but that's, I'd say the same in most industries. Anyone listening to this knows, and especially if you consistently work in the office now, it's crazy that I even like consistently like it used to be for the history of time. Everyone just worked in the office, but their office dynamics of, yeah, this guy's overpaid. This guy's worthless. This manager sucks, right? This guy's stealing. This guy's underpaid. Um, it, it's probably no different than any industry. Now that the draft is over, how do you think the Cowboys will do this season? Shouldn't they be a Super Bowl contender? If not, why not? Well, of course they are, and partly because of the NFC. There's them, the Eagles, and the Niners, which I would put on their own tier. And I'd probably put the Eagles and the Niners on a higher tier than the Cowboys, but the Cowboys went toe-to-toe with the Niners. They easily could have won that game. The thing that gives me pause about the Cowboys, back-to-back seasons. Dak throwing picks in the playoff games that they lost. And listen, I, I don't think Dak is some scrub. I think he's like the 10th, 11th, 9th, 12th quarterback, right? And he can have games like he did against Tampa where he throws a bunch of touchdowns and he looks like a superstar. But that's not actually who he is. Now, I don't think he's the guy that throws all these picks, but last year he threw a lot of picks. And he threw multiple picks in a playoff game. And until he, like, I will bet against him in big games. And maybe he'll prove me wrong. But like I just said earlier in the podcast, like, the reason I don't think the Cowboys can win the Super Bowl they have talented enough players on the roster. It's a quarterback. is not good enough. And maybe as a moment, and I eat crow. I'd be happy to. Because obviously when the Cowboys play, it's, it's interesting. Everyone cares. Television ratings are big, which means more people are watching football. Which matters to me, because that's the business I'm in. You guys watch, I give takes. You know, The less people that watch, worse it is for my business. I, I, I wish he was even better. But I just don't. I, I think he has a ceiling. Um, I think he has physical limitations. You know, I, I think he's closer to Alex Smith as a thrower than anyone wants to admit. This guy ain't fucking Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes slinging around out there. So, but he kind of thinks he is at times, and that got him in trouble. Now, if he can clean up on that, maybe they can overcome it, but I don't know. I, I would say, to me, the Cowboys feel like a second round and out team. But I do think they're really good. I think Dan Quinn's a stud. I think their defense is going to be awesome. I think their you know, offense is solid. Their offensive line's good. CD looks like a stud. Pollard's a good player. I'm a senior at the University of Oregon. I just got a job in Arizona entry-level sales. I'm an avid golfer around a nine handicap. Was wondering what are some good tracks to play in or around Scottsdale in my budget. I'm a huge fan. Love the podcast. I think the best thing to do when, and this is what I did when I first moved out here, is there's an app called Golf Now. And download the Golf Now app. And then just type in wherever you live. For you, just type in Scottsdale. And it'll show all the public tracks and the different deals throughout whatever day you want to play. Uh, I, that's the way I would recommend it. So I, I don't know what your budget is. 
Um, I take it that you just graduated college or you, you are your senior in college or, you know, you'd like, you don't want to play $500 rounds that it can give you a lay of the land. There's a course right down the street from me, Silverado, which, you know, I was always told I've played it before. It's like a Muni. Someone told me the other day they're charging $150. One thing, one industry you talk about that inflation has impacted positively for their business is golf. Because not only have they raised the prices, they're filling out the tee times. I saw it in the Bay Area. I see it here in Scottsdale. Average courses charge way more than in your, you're like, wait, this is a, you're charging $200 to play this course? And then you look at the tee sheet, you're like, every fucking foursome's packed, right? You can be like, well, this restaurant's way, over, way overpriced, average food. And then you look in the restaurant, there's not an empty seat. You're like, well, are they actually overpricing the stuff or are they just being smart here? You know, right? If you can sell it at that price point, you should keep selling it at that price point. And I'll tell you this, download the Golf Now app, which maybe you already have your nine handicap, but I I don't, you know, things are, it's expensive to play golf. (laughs) The public golf around here is just, it's borderline outrageous if you've been playing golf for a while. Uh, I really enjoy your content. I'm not even a football guy, but the, but I like listening to smart people break things down. I appreciate it. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Love your work. Really nice to listen to someone who has a no BS approach. Most of these ESPN guys suck. That being said, I'm from Wisconsin and a huge Packer fan who follows the draft process closely. I had this thought last night after day two of the draft about the Packers draft philosophy and the results after, and I wanted to get your take on it for the mailbag. Our last 13 first round picks beside love have been defensive players. How much value, how much valuable draft capital can we devote to that side of the ball every year to end up with a top five or 10 defense this year in and year out? Are we missing on picks that much? Is it coaching, scheme, play calling? I'm not sure. But at what point do we change or adjust our philosophy? Sounds like the definition of insanity. Seems like we're behind the times and need to adapt or die, especially in the post-Rogers era. I'll defend them this way. If I'm just thinking your last, whatever, seven, eight drafts, the majority of those years... Your team has not been under 500. Hell, you've won the division many of those years, right? Up until last year where you had a shitty year and you still went eight and nine. The previous three years, you won the division. You were like the one seed. You you were drafting in the mid to late 20s. You're just drafting, even in a good draft, most drafts have, let's say, if last if this draft that just happened on average had 14 first round graded players, if we just went throughout the whole league, let's say a good draft has 23 first rounders. Well, if you're drafting on average every year, 25 for the most part, there's might be a first rounder or two even left there. So you're typically 
it is much easier. The best draft the Niners have had in the last like five years was a draft where they drafted Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel. Well, what happened that draft? They drafted two overall. So when you suck, you don't just draft high in the first round. You draft high in every draft. Well, when's the last time it's like, oh, the Packers won three games? Well, that wouldn't just be like, oh, they could also draft whoever in the first round. That means every single round you get to draft a good player. And that's just typically not the case with you guys because you're always pretty damn good. And when I think about it, you know, you have hit on some players over the years. Jaya Alexander's good. Kenny Clark is good. Um, you probably know I, I, it'd be hard for me to break down Savage's game, but kind of liked him. You know, you, yeah, just you've also missed on some players, but I, I don't think it's ever wrong to just draft who you think is the best player. Now, just because instead of drafting whatever defensive player, let's say, uh, I wanted to say Kenny King, but I don't think that's his name. Whatever King's, the, the, the corner that you drafted a couple years ago. Let's just say you would have drafted an offensive player there. There's no guarantee just because you drafted a guard or a tight end that that guy's going to be any good. So I understand what you're saying. Like, we've drafted all these picks. How is our defense doesn't look like, you know, the fucking 49ers or the Dallas Cowboys or something? Like, what's going on? And I'd go, well... Your coaching has been pretty questionable, right? Your defensive coordinator. When's the last time you've had a defensive coordinator that went on to be a head coach? For example, you and the 49ers have been pretty even over the last three or four years, right? One differentiating factor is you had Rodgers and they had an awesome defense. Well, both their defensive, last two defensive coordinators became head coaches. And Kyle has nothing to do with that. Hell, John Lynch has nothing to do with that. Now, I'm, Kyle does in terms of he hires them, but like those guys are just really good coaches. Well, LaFleur and Gudikins, I forget the guy you fired, wasn't, oh, it was Petten, and then you go with Barry. Well, are either one of those guys going to be a head coach or even in the mix to be a head coach? Doesn't seem like it, right? <laughs> so part of having really good defensive players, which you got to draft well, But also defensive coordinators, really good ones, can make guys really good. I saw Fred Warner say, like, I don't think my career's here if I'm not around D'Amico Ryans. What if Fred Warner's just on Seattle or on the Houston Texans or on the Minnesota Vikings? Does he become that? Maybe, but I don't know. So coaching in the NFL really, really matters. Like, if I put the top 10 college coaches at Georgia these last two years, I'd say eight out of ten of them might win back-to-back national championships. And I'm not diminishing Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart's really good. But as we've seen, the teams that had the most drafted players this year were Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and TCU. What do all four of those programs have in common? They're fucking awesome. I mean, Michigan, TCU, Georgia were playoff teams. Ohio State, the one team that is not in that list, and Alabama was basically the fifth playoff team. So, like, to be good in college, you have to have a ton of NFL guys. It's about the Jimmys and the Joes. Way more than the X's and the O's. The NFL's an X's and O's game. Now, obviously, if you get Miles Garrett or you have Ed Reed or Ray Lewis or Nick Bosa, Khalil Mack in his prime, of course they can overcome bad schemes. But, like, most good defensive coordinators, like, what makes Vic Fangio so good? Like, that guy's smart. That guy is a great defensive schemer. And I've known people that have been in the meeting room with him that just like, I'm telling you, when he tells a player something's going to happen, it happens. Why do we give offensive coaches so much? Because when you hear these, if you talk to Travis Kelsey, or you talk to George Kittle, or you talk to, trying to think of really good offensive coaches in the NFL, you know, the Tennessee, when Arthur Smith was there, they go, these guys really know what they're doing. Because scheming and game plans really matter. So I guess this is a roundabout way of saying, I don't think your philosophy of drafting these players is crazy. I don't even think it's wrong. I think we could argue is like, maybe your defensive coordinators just are below average. Out of the quarterbacks taken in the first round, who do you think has the best chance to succeed? Bryce Young has the intangibles, but he's going to go into a rebuilding franchise, much like C.J. Stroud. Personally, I think Anthony Richardson is in a really good situation. They don't have a bad roster. The O-line will be healthy. 
Jonathan Taylor will also be healthy. The Colts have promising pieces outside of Pittman, Pierce, Downs, and Woods. A veteran quarterback who can teach Richardson. More importantly, a coach with a good track record of coaching good young quarterbacks. Well, I agree. Of all the, I mean, of C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, clearly he goes to the uh, team with the most talent on the current roster. The one thing I will say, though, Bryce and C.J. have played a ton of football in the brightest of lights in the biggest programs and been multiple-year starters. I mean, this guy's a 13-game starter, and for the most part, it's been pretty ugly. So to think that this guy, even if it's an easy landing spot, there is still a massive, massive question. A couple years ago, a lot of people were like, Trey Lance, there's not a better spot to go to than the San Francisco 49ers. And it was actually the opposite because the standard's like, well, God, he looks really bad. Now, the difference is the Colts are not as good as that team, but my point is if we look at it like that, if it doesn't go as well and he starts swimming you can kind of get into a weird spot. Now, I listen to some podcasts. Everyone thinks he's going to start. They're just going to start him, which I guess that seems pretty risky because what if he clearly isn't ready? Like, what if it's like he's a year away? Can they just take a deep breath or are they just unwilling to? Because there's, there's, a, there's a fine balance of like the only way to get better is reps, but like is he ready for the reps? And I'm talking outside of practice because, okay, I, I don't know their schedule, but like – you play the Jags, then you play the Pats, and then you play the Steelers, and then you play, you know, Seattle. Like, these are real teams. You're, you're no longer playing Mississippi State or fucking Kentucky. This is like, you, you got the Jets this weekend, you know? <laughs> then you got to go on the road and play the Patriots and Bill Belichick. You are not playing Vanderbilt. You're not getting, you know, the, some of these lesser SEC teams. You know, most teams in the SEC are not Georgia and Alabama. Texas A&M was terrible. So, I think long-term, I think it's De- Anthony Richardson has the highest ceiling. I would say immediately, I think Bryce will probably look the best. He's got Frank. He's got a coach who's had success, who's been an offensive coordinator, who's been the head coach, who is a quarterback. So, I think immediately, I will look for Bryce to look the best. It would not shock me if Early on, and CJ, I would imagine CJ will look better than Anthony Richardson early on. I would kind of expect Anthony Richardson to look pretty terrible early on. Remember Josh Allen's rookie year? It was like, Jesus, this is a, we've got a long way to go here. That to me would kind of be the Anthony Richardson expectation to be like, what is happening? Okay, last one. Hey, John, another boyfriend DMing you for the mailbag from a girlfriend's Instagram. Actually had my Insta hacked from a Bitcoin scammer, semi-similar to your Azuki running. Might have to retake my Insta just to do DM for the pod. As a Bills fan, should we be excited for Kincaid? Watched a good amount of Utah football this year, and I know you did as well. I like the pick, but have mixed feelings about moving up two spots to get him. I think his comp of what I think DJ hit it on the head is like a Travis Kelsey type player. Now, some of these comps, comparing anyone to Travis Kelsey, who might go down as the greatest tight end, is stupid. Just like when Zay Flowers comes on TV and is like, who's his comp? Tyree Kill. Or the Pittsburgh guy, it was Aaron Donald. Like, what? What? It's not fair to any Michael Mayer, Gronkowski. But if this guy is a really good tight end and can be an 80 catch guy, can be a just a security blanket for your quarterback. Because to win in the playoffs in cold conditions, you can't just go bombs away. Sometimes you got to ugly up the game. And that's where tight ends come into play. Now, I know you have Dawson Knox, and I think is he still on the team. I've always liked Dawson Knox. But you clearly need, you know, Burroughs, it's pretty unique because they got the two unreal receivers. Obviously, Mahomes has, has Kelsey. Uh, you know, you look at Jalen Hurts. He has Dallas Goddard. I think it is very, very important to have a high-end tight end. I'm a big believer in the tight end position. Two teams I watch the most have Kelsey and Kittle. Those guys are unfucking stoppable when they get rolling. Because, like, safeties can't cover them. So if that's this guy who comes from a high-level program, who's been one of their better players, 
They've gone back-to-back Rose Bowls. Like, yeah, I I like it. I like drafting highly productive, high-character guys on winning programs. Utah, football, back-to-back Rose Bowls. And I wonder if you ask them, who's your best player the last couple years? He'd be right there in the mix. Him and Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd got drafted pretty high, too. So... I almost said Devin Lloyd was on the Bills, but he's he's on the uh, he's on the Jags. I like to pick. I do. <laughs> I actually like you guys signed, and I'm a little biased here. Signed uh, a running back out of Fresno State, Mims. Love that guy. You can keep an eye on Mims. Prediction right now, he makes a team. I know you just signed Latavius Murray. Wonder if he beats him out. That's uh, all. End on that hot take. Mims, undrafted free agent. Listen, everyone listening right now who's a fan of said team, Vikings, Cowboys, Texans, Cardinals, Niners, Rams, undrafted free agent will make your team. That's what's so cool about the NFL. That undrafted, some teams, several undrafted free agents will beat out fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. That's what makes football so cool. Just because you get drafted in the fourth round, you ain't guaranteed anything. And that undrafted free agent that got $7,000 to sign, might beat your guy out. Get a phone call I need to pick up. Adios. Talk to everyone later. Peace. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts